0: Welcome to the house of God on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. We're here to worship the Lord, and as we do so, we'll sing together the hymn 13. Hallelujah! Sing to Jesus. His the scepter, His the throne. Hallelujah! His the triumph, His the victory alone. That's all stand to sing. let read our psalm for today, the psalm number six. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in my hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed, and sore vexed, let them return and be ashamed suddenly. That's why, together before God in prayer, let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we come with a declaration of praise and adoration as we enter your house and we come to your presence around the throne. We come with the song, Alleluia, praise Jehovah for all that he has done. Thou art a good God, a gracious God, a God that is full of compassion. And it is to this God we come today in worship, to praise thy glorious name, to rejoice in all that thou art and all that thou hast done, and indeed all that thou hast given to us, sons of Adam. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of being here in the house of God today, for health and strength that permits us to be in the courts of God. Thank thee for the joy that is in our hearts even as we sing. There is a joy unspeakable and full of glory that God has given to his people It is the joy principally in sins forgiven. We think of the psalmist when he said, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. And Lord, we are glad to know those of us that are in Christ that our sins have been dealt with forever. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. We thank you that Calvary covers it all. Thank you we've been to Jesus for the cleansing power. We're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for that moment when the great transaction took place and we became thine. Thine we are this day. O King Jesus, we come before thy presence to glory in our God and to worship thee. Thank you for coming into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. Thank you for the perfect life of obedience that thou didst live when you sojourned here in this world. Thank you for the atoning death that you died on Calvary's cross when you took our sins and you made them your very own. Thank you, Lord, for paying the debt so that we might go free, for opening up heaven to those who come in repentance and faith to receive Christ as Savior. We thank you that our backs are towards the world. Our backs indeed are towards hell itself. We'll never be there. Hallelujah. For heaven is the eternal abode of the redeemed of God. Bless your people. Bless those that are suffering in any way today. Remember our dear sister Madge in her time of weakness. Be with her. Thou hast been with her. There's been a conscious sense of the presence of God in her home In these days when she's passing from this scene into the glory, we pray that you'll strengthen Dave and be with the family, help them to cast their care upon the Lord who cares for them and the other sick ones connected to us. Lord, we commit to your grace again. Be with them just where they are. Remember tonight, Lord, as we have our family night and Adrian, as he comes to give us testimony, bring him here safely and Lord, fill him with the Holy Spirit that as he speaks, he'll be very conscious of the Lord with him, in him, working through him to the glory of God. We pray that you'll gather in the people. We think of the many, many homes that are round about this district here in the town and out in the country regions. Many of them go nowhere on the Sabbath day. Lord, we pray for an evangelical awakening that will gather in the people under the sound of the word and fill up all these pews. We thought this morning in the early season of prayer, how the Lord speaks and it's done, and how that he commands and it stands fast. Lord, command the blessing to this very time. Look at us in your mercy. We know we deserve nothing but wrath, but Lord, in wrath, you remember mercy, and we plead the mercy of God in these days. So continue with us now in our time of worship. Remember each one that is here Remember the land of Ukraine today with all its warring and fighting and destruction. We pray that you'll bless your people that are doing a work for God and preaching the gospel. We pray that you'll remember every ministry that is taking place there, even in the physical part, helping the needy, feeding and clothing the poor. Lord, just undertake for Ukraine today and bring the war to an end in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to sing the hymn 181. Thy Holy Spirit, Lord, alone can turn our hearts from sin. His power alone can sanctify and keep us pure within. And it is the cry of our heart, O Spirit of faith and love, come in our midst, we pray, and purify each waiting heart. Baptize us with power today. Stand to suit. Seated. This part of the service, we bid you a warm word of welcome to God's house. It's a beautiful day, the sun is shining. Some of our Ukrainian friends moved over here because the sun was quite intense at the front there, uh, so it's lovely to see uh, the weather, at least the brightness of it. And here we are to worship God. If you're listening in and you're part of the service on the internet, we bid you a very warm word of welcome. As soon as this service is over, just at the end, I want to get a photograph. It's just um, a very narrow photograph. You remember the book, 100 Days of Lockdown? Well, God willing, in the very near future, there'll be 100 days after lockdown. And the photograph on the front of that book was an empty church, and it was taken at a certain angle with the, the Bible here on the pulpit. I want to get the same photograph, the same shot, the same angle, if possible. Samuel's going to do that for us as soon as the service is over What we do need is some of you to move over here. So it's going to take in just a little bit of this section here, maybe from Anna across halfway. So if you can just think of that and make sure here at the front on this side, these pews were filled and so forth just to get a nice photograph. I'm sure some of you will be running over wanting to get into the front row of the photograph. The good news is that the background is blurred and the word of God is prominent. So you'll be a blurry uh, picture, but still, we want you in it. If, if the picture is good, we might not we'll keep the blur out of it. If it's a good picture, it might be nice to see your faces. Hope that all makes sense. Family night tonight at 7, testimony Adrian Coffey from Porto Vogue. Adrian is a serving elder in the Porto Vogue congregation, and you know that little synopsis of his testimony how that many years ago. Uh, As a fisherman, he and his colleagues were swept overboard when a ferry from uh, Warren Point, I think it is, traveling over the Isle of Man, hit their boat, knocked them into the water, and they were there for quite a considerable time before the ferry realized what had happened and came back to rescue them. It was in that moment of great danger, when his life was in peril, that Adrian called on the Lord, and he hasn't looked back the Lord brought him to himself, and, well, he's, he's now married with a family, and he's an elder in the church, and he's doing fairly well. Supper will be served, and ladies, we're asking you to help with this family night supper, half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. Monday night is our monthly session meeting at 8 o'clock. Tuesday morning, our senior fellowship in the will of God at 11 a.m. Tuesday night, the youth challenge at 7 And we had a very good start. I'll say something about that in a moment. Thursday night, the midweek service, 8 o'clock. And then on Friday night at 8 o'clock, our youth fellowship will meet. And Greg Gibson will be speaking on the Christian who is living for God. Next Lord's Day, prayer meeting at 8 o'clock, Sunday school at 10.30. The Bible class, quarter to 11. And part two, message two from Mervyn on Lessons from Leviticus will be the burnt offering, Christ's sacrifice and its fullness. 12 noon is the worship service, and we come again, God willing, to Mark's gospel, and then the evening service at 7 o'clock preceded by the time of prayer at 6.30. We've made this preliminary announcement about the Sabbath School Social. Make sure it's in your diary on Friday the 31st of March at 7.30. We continue to remember the sick before the Lord in prayer. We said on Tuesday night the youth challenge recommenced and it was a very, very good start. Some of these photographs we showed you on Thursday night, but it's worthwhile just showing the full congregation here of the boys and girls that come out. There were 75 in the senior meeting, 15 of them new to the church and then 11 in the other meeting. Didn't get a photograph of that, but that's the kids come along and listen to the Word of God every Tuesday night. And some of the great preachers are, are there, like our sister, she just smiled, our sister Karen bringing the Word. I thought she was singing there, but actually she's preaching the Word. And then the Ladies' Fellowship meeting uh, last Wednesday night, very, very good turnout, a conscious sense of the Lord's nearness and presence, as Pamela Fitzsimon spoke, and the young maternity and girls, they sang. At the open air yesterday, David preached the Word, and there was a goodly number that gathered out, I, I think including myself, was about 17, and that's a, that's a great encouragement, as I said this morning, at the early time of prayer. It's an encouragement to each other as we stand there, and an encouragement to John, I know, uh, who looks after that work. So keep it up. The Indian Orphan Project continues uh, feeding 90 of these children every month. And the painter is very faithful in sending many, many photographs, and these are just a little selection of what he has sent this week. Some of you helped with the pallets that went out to Romania, and this is the distribution of more clothes just sent to me over the weekend. And so we thank you for all that did anything, whether it was packing or getting it shipped there. Thank you in the Saviour's name. We continue to pray for Ukraine. And a couple of photographs sent by Donald just to keep it live before you remember them in prayer. This is the Drugs Rehabilitation Center that is still up and running. So we remember the land before the Lord in prayer. We were asking you on Thursday night to remember the schools ministry. On Monday, 13 schools were visited with invitations and on Tuesday, two more. Uh, So hundreds of invitations to youth challenge Have gone into the schools with the promise that they'll be distributed. In fact, there's probably still another two or three schools uh, to do in the area. So we'll get that done this week. That opened up doors for assemblies and for SU. Uh, We had Greg with us on uh, Monday and we went into the schools. We were very well received. The literature was taken. And we did mention if you want us to come back and do assemblies, we're happy to do that. And immediately, Uh, three bookings were given. So on Wednesday we were in Gary Duff for the Scripture Union. We had a whole hour with the children and that was a great time with them. And then on Thursday morning the William Pinkerton Memorial Primary School in Dervick. We were there and again a great time with maybe around 70 children in that assembly. And then on Friday we were at the model and uh, just looking down Greg maybe a couple of hundred children maybe half the school. I think they divide the assembly because of the, the sheer number that attend, but again, a good witness. The children listen very well, and we, uh, I think we'll be back. We've been asked to go back even to help with Scripture Union that they're seeking to get established in the school. The head and mistress made us feel very welcome and actually wrote to us over the weekend to thank us for going in. One other announcement, and that is to do with our parents and toddlers. It hasn't started back when everything else has, and that's for a number of reasons. And some of the folks that were so faithful over the years are no longer able to be free on a Monday morning. So I'm asking this question. This might be a ministry that you could be involved in, and if so, will you meet me after the service today? I'll not go to the door because we're going to get the photograph taken and we're going to meet with those that are interested in helping with the parents and toddlers. Um, all the usual checks and all need to be made as we work with children. But I know you understand that. So immediately after the service, please um, stay behind. Can I congratulate our sister, Sally Glenn, on reaching a very significant birthday on Friday. And will not mention what her age is. But she is an octogenarian now. Uh, Congratulations to Kerry. Kerry is going to have an 18th uh, birthday this coming Saturday. So we rejoice with our our young footballer uh, as she becomes officially an adult now in in the eyes of the country. And we trust that the Lord will bless her and bless Sally. Our hymn that we're going to sing just now is 649 speaks about revival over the hilltops down from the skies. Coming from glory, lift up your eyes while we are watching and while we pray, a mighty revival is sweeping this way. May God grant that that will be so. Amen. Okay. Let's stand to as we come to the Scriptures. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we're coming to open up Your Word now. and We pray that You'll speak to us. You'll send the breath of God this mighty revival that we've been singing about. May it come. May the Lord not tarry. May He visit this nation again and pour out the Spirit of God. May we have a foretaste of it now even in this service. May this be a great day, a reviving day. Lord, we've been blessed this week with what you've done in the children's work. We are anticipating the blessing of God in the future now. Oh, that thou wouldst descend and come and be in the midst of this gathering. And fill me now with God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Just one verse that I want to, to read with you as we come back to our study in Mark. Coming into chapter 9 now, I want to think about the opening verse And there's some other verses that I will refer to uh, by way of introduction and through the message, but we're going to read just the opening verse of Mark chapter 9. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power, until they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And I want to take this verse and speak about the kingdom of God coming in power. You will know that the chapters and verses, the vision in the Bible is man-made, When the books of the Bible were originally written, they did not contain chapter or verse references. They just read each book right right through. These came into being in order to help us find the Scriptures more quickly and more easily. The chapter divisions commonly used today were developed by a man called Stephen Langton, an Archbishop of Canterbury. Langton put the modern chapter divisions into place in A.D. 1227. The Wycliffe English Bible of 1382 was the very first Bible to use this chapter division. The Hebrew Old Testament was divided into verses by a Jewish rabbi by the name of Nathan in A.D. 1448. And Robert Stephanus was the first to divide the New Testament into standard number verses in 1555. Now, we are very glad about this, I'm sure, for it's so helpful in every way. Can you imagine coming to a book of the Bible like Isaiah and not having any chapters or verses dividing up that book? Just coming to our daily reading? We're able to say we're in Isaiah 53 today. and we're, we're reading those verses there. Or you can think about coming to the house of God in the Lord's day and you have your Bibles before you and there's no chapter or verses that are dividing it, just finding the place. I think it could be at the end of the sermon before the Bible reading may be found on some occasions. And, you know, we would never have had John 3 and 16. You ever think about that? So well known and preached on, and popular through the world, where the gospel has gone to the nations of the world, and translation from the scriptures has been made. John three and sixteen has been one of the preeminent verses that has just got the gospel out to the nations of the world. So we are glad that there there are these chapter and verses in the Word of God today, and I am telling you that because the verse that we have read here in Mark chapter nine and verse one should belong. Many have this opinion they, it should belong to the previous chapter. It reads better in the history. In fact, Matthew has this particular division in Matthew chapter 16. And at the end of the chapter, verse 24 to 28, this verse of Mark chapter 9 and verse 1 is included at the end of that chapter of Matthew. And it's not until you come into chapter 17 of Matthew that you read about the transfiguration of Christ. By the way, Luke has it in the middle of one of his chapters, chapter 9, verse 26 through to verse 28, and then the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says here, There be some that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. There were some people in the audience that day standing right there before the Savior, of whom the Lord declares they would not die until they saw God's kingdom come with power. Who were they? Who were in the audience that day? Well, look at verse 34 of the previous chapter. When he had called the people unto him with his disciples. So Jesus calls the the multitude together with his disciples. He has something very important to tell them, something that they needed to know if they were to truly follow him. And so he begins this searching challenge, whosoever will come after me. To really go after Christ, to wholly follow the Lord, Means to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Christ proceeds to ask some very solemn questions, and he makes the most challenging declaration. We have preached in these verses at the end of Mark uh, chapter 8. Look at verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And it's now, just right now that he makes this statement that we have in verse 1. Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death Till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Some of these people, his trusted disciples and other followers would be alive to witness the coming of God's kingdom with power. The kingdom of God, that little expression that is used in the Bible is where God's sovereignty, authority, power And glory are manifested. So, what is the Lord referring to when He he speaks these words? The kingdom of God coming with power. There have been a number of suggestions and applications by Bible commentators. Some say that He was referring to the transfiguration. The transfiguration didn't happen until at least six days after this moment. Uh, We read about it in verse 2. After six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John, leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And the, the subsequent verses that relate this momentous event when Jesus was transfigured before his three disciples, it was there in that mount that his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. And these three men, undoubtedly, they beheld the glory of Christ. They got a glimpse of Jesus as the glorious King in the kingdom of God. And some say that's what the Lord is referring to. What happened six days later? There are others who say it was the resurrection of Christ. And that certainly was something of monumental majesty. When Christ rose triumphantly, from the grave, the resurrected King of glory. Others said was the ascension of Christ. What a moment that was when these men stood gazing up into heaven and the Lord was taken up from them and a cloud received him out of their sight and, and they received the promise, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like fashion or like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Some say it's the ascension. And then there are others, and they say that the kingdom of God coming in power refers to Pentecost. It is at Pentecost where we see the coming of the Holy Spirit of God, where the kingdom of God is enlarged and increased in huge numbers, thousands of people being converted. And there's no doubt that such a time in the history of the church could be described as the kingdom of God coming with power. Some have even suggested that the Lord was referring to the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. This came 40 years after the ministry of Christ. It is reasonable to say that some of the men that were standing right there in the audience of Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, would live to see that day. That event toppled the, the politics of the Jews. That great catastrophe was often alluded to by the Lord in his ministry, the great judgment, and it was a picture of the greater judgment that would take place at the end of the world. The reference here to the kingdom of God coming with power cannot refer to the glorious second coming of Jesus Christ, nor his reign in the future as men that were standing there where the Lord Jesus was that day would long since be dead and Christ makes it abundantly clear that at least some of them, some of them would not die until they saw the kingdom of God coming with power. And though Jesus promised there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste death till they have seen, witnessed, the kingdom of God coming with power. If I was to declare my position on what the Savior meant, what he had in mind here, I would say it's Pentecost when the Spirit descended and moved in such a mighty power that the kingdom of God was extended in such a remarkable way on that day never to be forgotten. And therefore, I am led to four things that I hope to preach on. I trust we'll get through the message today, but I am led, number one, to the command of Christ on the ascension day when he said to his disciples, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I am secondly led to the conformity of the disciples They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. We read about that in Luke 24 also, this time verse 52. They went there to pray. They went to intercede and to plead the promise of God for 40 or for 10 long days. Thirdly, I am led to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Acts chapter 2 and verse 2. And this was the descent of the promised Holy Ghost. And we are told they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then I'm led, fourthly, to the conversion of a great multitude. We think of the 3,000 and then the 5,000 that came to know the Lord. I think that we can truly say, Here is the kingdom of God coming with power. And some of those that stood in the presence of Christ when he spoke of such things, they lived to see and to witness the mighty doings of God on that day. Of course, it didn't stop there on that day. The kingdom of God coming with power continued for many days and indeed for many years. That which began in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost soon spread to other parts of Judea and then into the northern kingdom of Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the world. A small group of disciples became the beginning of a worldwide church. The kingdom with power, coming in power as thousands were swept into that kingdom through the preaching of the gospel. And I want to say to you today that there is no end to what Jesus Christ spoke about concerning the kingdom of God coming with power. Not until He comes with power and great glory on that day when He returns to the earth again, we can still know right now, present tense, in our day, the kingdom of God coming with power. The promise of the Spirit, as you know, is far-reaching. And there is a key text that I do not want you ever to forget in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39. It has often been a blessing and a challenge to my own soul. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, the promise is unto you. And that's the people that were there that day. It's unto you, And it's unto your children and they that are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the context of that is Pentecost. The context of that is the coming of the Holy Spirit, the great move of God and what He did and the souls that were saved. This promise, the promised Holy Ghost, is for you, for you disciples. It is for your children, the next generation. But it didn't stop there. It was to those that were afar off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And in those final two descriptions, you and I are included. When we think of Pentecost, when we think of the days of the Acts of the Apostles, we are afar off from that day. Many centuries have passed by. We also have been called in grace. The Lord has saved us, brought us to himself. And so, dear people of God, here is a promise That is, for us, Jesus Christ is still gathering in his people. He's still calling sinners into the kingdom. He is still bringing them out of nature's night into the glorious light of the gospel. And so just for a little while uh, this morning, if we have to come back to it next week, I'll do that, but at least for a little while, I want to mention these things that I've outlined already to you as we ponder the promise of Christ about the kingdom of God coming with power. And, and I'm bringing this message for your encouragement and for your instruction. I want you to see that we can still know something about this in our day and generation. And I want you to leave God's house with hope in your heart that God might come today, that God might come in our time and do His marvelous works and extend His kingdom and his kingdom come with power to this very region. And so, the first thing is the command of Christ tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That Jerusalem, for us, as you know, is our town, our city, it's our place of God's choosing where we live, where we serve the Lord. For you and I, it's Balaamone. And more specifically, it's Hebron, the local church. Let me remind you that God always works through the local church. It was so in Jerusalem. It was so in these days. He got a people together in the local church, sent them back to Jerusalem where the people assembled to pray together. Christ still gives the command to tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Brethren and sisters, we want this power of which the Savior speaks. We long for the manifestation of the Spirit of God. We certainly need such a move of God in our day and generation. These are days of backsliding, days of indifference, these are days when there's coldness of heart. Didn't the Lord prophesy of such times as he outlined the character of the age in which he would come? Didn't he tell us of all the falsehood and, and all the, the decline in religion that would take place? Matthew 24, I'm thinking about. All the things that are going to happen before he comes back again. Do you remember what he said about the love of many waxing cold? And he's talking about his people here. He's talking about his church The love of many, not just a few, but the love of many waxing cold. And we're living in that cold-hearted day. The church of Jesus Christ has lost its power, has lost its effectiveness, and its cutting edge. Worldliness has crept in. Materialism has infected the lives of many Christians. And earthly pursuits have become the dominant thing in the lives of many. And if we're honest... God is shut out more and more and more with every passing week. You know, my friends, there are simple tests to apply to our hearts and our lives if we are to ascertain where we are personally with God. And basically, it comes down to one thing, the love that we have for the Lord himself and the things of God. Do we love the Lord? Jesus was to ask the question as he did to Peter after that time when Peter had failed the Lord. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Would we be able to say from the very depths of our heart as Peter said, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee? Does the Lord know it? Do you love the Lord today? Do you love him with all your heart? With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, do we sense the love of Christ constraining us, at least sometimes? Do we sense that? That mighty love of Jesus burning in our heart that causes us to go out and to live a life that is God glorifying in his sight. I wish it was every day that we felt that constraint. Are we living in the first love? Every time I think about what our love ought to be for the Lord that I'm reminded about the Ephesian church to which Jesus wrote the seven churches of Asia Minor. This is the first one that he addresses. Having commended them for so many things in their lives, in their witness, he said, but I have someone against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. I wonder, are we living in the first love? That's where we ought to be. It's a simple test. It's a simple question to ask ourselves. Do we love the Lord? That's the chief. That's the chief test. Do we love his word? You're often in this book. The Bible is your daily delight. Do you love his throne? You love to get alone with God and get on your knees and talk to the Lord? Do you love his people? Do you love his house? Are you running to the house of God with joy in your heart when when these doors are open for services that are conducted here? Do you love the house of God? Do you love the work of God? Do you love the prayer meeting? Do you love the outreach ministry? Have our hearts grown cold? Do we no longer come to church with a skip in our step? Do we still drink in God's precious word? My, you love the sermon. You're not doing this okay. Always keeping your eye on the time. More interested in getting home to your dinner, your food at home. Do you love the sermon? That's the time we study God's Word. That's the time we hear from heaven, principally in any service. We hear from heaven, I trust, all the way through in prayer and in song, but especially in preaching. It's the way that God speaks. Do we love to sit beneath the sound of God's precious word. Do we love these things? Do we love serving the Lord? You see, my friends, I wonder today. Have our hearts grown cold. I wonder is still our desire to reach the lost. Do you remember the day when you loved the souls of men? Especially your family and your friends. There was that yearning of soul in your being to see them brought to Christ. Is that still there? Do you love them for Christ? What are you doing to bring them to Christ? Is that love manifested in your heart? Upon a short examination of these things, I, I think you'll agree with me that there's so much missing, isn't there, in our lives today we, we definitely need a mighty move of God, don't we? We need revival. We, we must have the manifestation of the Spirit because where is our hope of survival? Save in thy life-giving breath. We need the life-giving breath of the Spirit. And so the Lord would come afresh today and he would say, tarry! That just simply means wait. Wait in my house. Wait in my presence. Tarry until ye be endured. With power from on high. There's only one way to acquire the mighty power of God, and that's by tarrying, waiting. And this brings us particularly to the public prayer meeting of the church, as it did with these men, these disciples. You'll know the words well, but let me read them to you in Acts chapter one, verse fourteen. This is the prayer meeting where they gathered together and sought the Lord. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Turn over to chapter 4 and verse 31 of the Acts of the Apostles. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. That's the public prayer meeting. You want to mark that. If you haven't got it mark in your Bible, mark your Bible. Where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak the word of God with boldness. When did the Spirit of God come? When the church prayed, it's as clear as crystal. When the church of Jesus Christ was gathered together in the prayer meeting, that's when the Spirit of God came. Where were the disciples when the Holy Ghost descended in power and shook the very room where they sat and filled their hearts and their lives with with supernatural power? It was in the prayer meeting. And we ought to note that. There are no shortcuts. We say today we want revival. We want the manifestation of the power of God. We want the Holy Ghost to come and and breathe upon the church and breathe upon the very community in which we live. Well, I tell you, there's no shortcuts in getting that. We need to be about the business of prayer. If we're going to see the kingdom of God coming with power, then we must be in the place where prayer is made, calling upon the name of God, wrestling there in the place of prayer that the Lord might manifest himself among us. It is the command of Christ, brethren and sisters. And Jesus is saying, he's challenging us all again, tarry ye, go and get before me as a church and pray and plead the promise until ye be endued with power from on high. It's great encouragement when we come to the meeting on a Thursday night and nearly every seat is filled. And I was so delighted on Thursday night when we came to the prayer meeting, to see so many seats occupied. And that's that's a great encouragement. In fact, I think it's true to say over the past little while, there's been an increase at the prayer meetings of the church. Well, Matthew Henry said, when God has designed great blessings for his church, he will always set them a-praying. There's no other way. There's no other way. And we need to learn that before God today and in his house, in his presence. Jesus gives the commandment for us to tarry. And I'm going to leave the message here with that challenge to your heart about the prayer meetings of the church and the need to get before the Lord at the command of the Savior until the mighty power of God falls. That's always the way that God moves. He moves in answer to prayer. There are no shortcuts. That's how we were to prayer. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word. We thank you today for our text that reminds us about the kingdom of God coming with power. And we certainly see that this was so on Pentecost. Maybe the Lord was referring to different occasions, but certainly there's the application there. When the Spirit of God moved and all those souls were converted, the kingdom of God was mightily extended and came with power to Jerusalem and further afield. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come with power in our day. We want to see towns and cities in this little land shaken turned upside down for the glory of God. I want to see many souls swept into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We want to see the church of Jesus Christ on fire for thee. O oh Lord, rid us of our worldliness, our materialism, our self-seeking. Help us to do what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. May we do that and may we see that kingdom come with power. And so bless your word to every heart. May we sense and feel the burden of it today. For Christ's sake. Amen. 169 is the hymn about the Holy Spirit. Breathe upon us, Lord, from heaven. Fill us with the Holy Ghost, promise of the Father, give and send us now a Pentecost. We're going to sing the hymn. We'll have a word of prayer. Uh, the meeting will be over. We will go offline. And then we 'll get our photograph taken, so we, we need a few volunteers to come over just to this section that you can see about half this section here and just a little bit on that side. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Stand. To see- Heavenly Father, we pray for such a breath of God today. Breathe upon us, Lord, from heaven. Indeed, we cry to Thee that You'll baptize us now with power and send us into a world to do the work of God, to reach the souls of men, and to see the kingdom of God extended and coming with power. Bless Your church, set it on fire, and, O oh Lord, may there be a blaze on this road in the town of Balaamani that people will come out to see a church on fire for God burning for thee. Separate us with your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen.